Hello, welcome to the Spirit Podcast. This is a sideshow. Okay, to be honest with you, whenever I speak about UFC, Huff glazes over and starts looking out the window and or getting high. So what I thought, cut the middleman out, cut the dead weight, just do a little show before the show or after the show, depending on where I put it. Breaking down the previous fight card of the week. And what a fight card to start on. We have <clears throat> UFC 287, I believe. Israel Adesanya versus Pajeda. Two. Technically four. No big deal. This is the fourth meeting. Second MMA fight between the two. And a beautiful backdrop of... Miami, 20 years since the UFC's been in Miami, and they put on one hell of a card, one hell of a show, um, and I'm only assuming Dana White's favorite state, you know, it's the most free, he's friends with Ronnie DeSantis and, and Donnie T, and you know, Donnie T is about 40 minutes away from Miami, so, um, hell of a card, top to bottom stacked, um, we saw... The retirement of Jorge Masvidal. We saw the comeuppance for Gerald Mershart, which was tough to watch. We saw Rob Font get back on the horse. So we're going to break down the recent card and kind of give a, blink, a glimpse into picks for the next week's fight of the night, which is Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen. So that's that's insane that that's free. Um, but to start off the night... Uh, Gerald Mershaw got TKO'd, uh, just took a left and a right to the head and went down. I mean, I did not see that coming. I know uh, Mershaw was on the Anakin Florian podcast really talking up his camp, talking up how well it went, how he felt going into that fight, that he um, felt like all of his ducks were in a row. And, I mean, he was the uh, featured fight on the early prelims, which is odd because Mershaw is like a 25-fight veteran and a perennial you know, entertainment reel for the UFC, but to have him on the early prelims, like I said, they stacked this card. So, yeah, he went down. I put money on Mearshart, um, so it was kind of disappointing, kind of hurtful to watch that one go down, but uh, he looked okay. He just got clipped, you know, got rocked, and it was over uh, in the first. So that was tough. And then you had Marcel Watterson versus Pajero. I cannot say her name for the life of me the whole time I was trying my best. But Michelle Watterson Gomez. Um, the first round was pretty good, I thought, for Michelle. Um, big elbows. She was using them really, really well. Her front kick, she just kept teaking her. Just every single time she would get close, Michelle would just throw a front kick right up the middle. She's, you know, nicknamed the karate hottie for a reason, so her kicks are unbelievable. She's so flexible, and she can throw a head kick basically standing in front of you. Um... She she just kept her at bay and kept her kicks engaged the entire time like I knew she would. Um, but, you know, whether it was a calf kick, low kick, uh, the, and then Penhero was also attacking Michelle's calves. I mean, Michelle looked a little out on her lead foot, couldn't plant it for a while. Um, Really was switching stances. Whenever she did, she had a hard time getting off because of the damage done to that front lead calf. Um, and uh, she 
even put Michelle down at the end of the round, so that was uh that won her that one pair on the round. Uh it was strong striking in the second for Waterson. Still that calf her calf really hurt, but she still was able to get her front kicks off. Um I thought she did a lot in the second round, won that round. Um she left her stunned a couple of times. Um really strong output with her with her striking from Waterson. <clears throat> Uh, a couple times she stunned her, but then at the end of the round, you know, when they're going back, it just looked like Pinheiro was a little tired. I thought maybe Michelle was going to be able to open up on her a little bit more in the third. Um, I would definitely say um, I had Michelle, I had I had Waterson Gomez at least 10-9 both rounds going into the third. Um, Waterson got the... Uh, Taken down twice in the third. That was a little rough. Didn't do too much. Got back up right away. Body kicks were a really big deal for Michelle Watterson. It was a difference maker. Um, I I wrote down three takedowns for Watterson. I don't know if that meant she was taken down three times. I, I wrote these notes down in a hurry. But needless to say, going into it, watching the fight top to bottom, I had it. Watterson, Watterson, Watterson. I, I literally thought maybe you could give a split decision for Watterson. Uh, but no, they gave it to Piero, and I thought it was absolutely, I mean, the look on Michelle Watterson's face, Michelle Watterson Gomez, sorry, she took her husband's name, was stunned. I mean, she's a, she's a, a true, you know, sportsman. I mean, she very rarely complains. She's always down. She always is there for the UFC whenever they need her, uh, and she was stunned. You know, she was very surprised by that, um decision i think a lot of the uh, arena was i kind of felt like there was kind of a almost a gasp out of the uh broadcast booth because of how shocking it was um no one mentioned it though but you could tell like they were they were not in line with that thinking um so yeah i had that one stolen but that was a rough one lost money on waterson i always i always bet on her um going into a fight, because I just believe in her, her striking so much, is just so high level, um, she just needs to, I think, have more confidence in it, going into a fight, and, be, and really use it, um, the featured prelim was Calvin Gaslam and Chris Curtis, now, I don't know much about Chris Curtis, the guy looks terrifying, he's huge, he's thick, his triceps are insane, he looks too big for that division, um, and we all know Calvin Gaslam to be an absolute dog, took Izzy to the dark, dark waters, and was honestly, up until Pajeda, his toughest challenge by far and wide, his his entire career in the UFC. Um, Curtis took came out, clipped him with the right hand in the first round. Calvin looked good with low kicks the entire time, though. Um, they basically would trade low kick for low kick. Calvin would get back with his, Curtis would get off with his, and they were... Like, Calvin, I don't fancy him a striker. I don't see him as an elite, elite striker. But, like, he was feeling himself. He was doing the, you know, Muhammad Ali fist whip in the back behind him while he was looking at Curtis, you know, like, hey, boy, I got this right here for you if you want it. And then Curtis tagged him, just gave him a nice one-two. And Curtis, like, held up his hand and shook it at him like, I got it right here for you. It was an insane fight. It won fight of the night, rightfully so. It was crazy. The amount of back and forth these guys had for each other. And Calvin had a pace that I just, I didn't, I didn't think he'd be able to sustain. He was incredible. 
It's like vintage Calvin. He needed he needed a good fight. He was on a skid. Um, so, you know, going into the second, leg kicks were big for Calvin. Curtis stunned him with a combo, but he was able to clear the cobwebs. Um, and then they were they were exchanging, and they came together, and there was a headbutt. Um, and Calvin... Uh, Curtis got the brunt of that headbutt and went down. And listening to the uh, Anik and Florian podcast, they have on Brian Petrie, who's like their odds maker for a lot of games. He handicaps a lot of their fights, and he's really good friends with um, Chris Curtis. And Chris Curtis told him, like, I had no idea what was happening. He got hit. He went down. He had no idea. He just remembered going to the ground, and then waking up in the turtle position with Calvin Gastelum on his back. He had no idea what happened. So the headbutt took Chris Curtis out of the second round completely. And it's a shame, not only because I had money in Chris Curtis, but it's a shame because Chris was doing really well in that round. He was doing very well in that fight, and in particular the second round, and that clash of heads took him completely out of it. Calvin got his back. Calvin put uh, put a hurt on him. I'm surprised. I forget who the ref was. It might have been Mergoliata. I'm surprised that they didn't call it just because Curtis really wasn't intelligent wasn't intelligently defending himself. Uh he he that that headbutt really took him out completely out of the fight. Um he somehow got back to his senses, uh, got up, and um you know, was able to answer with some great body shots throughout the rest of the round, and uh, I thought those were really those those would have paid off um, better had he not lost most of the second round to being incapacitated due to head. But but what are you gonna do? It's the name of the game. Ref didn't see it. It wasn't uh, uh, on purpose. So um, you know he he like I said, ref didn't see it, so he couldn't stop and call time. Um, they just had to roll with it, and and luckily Curtis was able to get back to his because the fight was so crazy. If he had ended on a headbutt, it would have been such a fucking bummer. But for Curtis's benefit, it should have, but, um, third round, I literally wrote madness, I can't even, I couldn't keep up writing down notes of, like, highlights of what was happening in that round, because it was absolute total pandemonium, chaos, throwing, trading, hitting each other, stunning one another, wobbling, clinch work, uh, dirty boxing, knees, it was just a fucking peck and pull melee that I really thought, um, you know, looking at it, you could watch it, you know, watch it again, um, and you would say Calvin came out on top, I would say, in the third round, um, but still, I mean, I, I, really, no one loses in this fight, like I said, it was fight of the night for a fucking reason, no one loses, um, honestly, Calvin made a great name for himself, I mean, not made a great name for himself, but redeemed himself a little bit, because he was on that skid, uh, and, Chris Curtis just showed he's an absolute dog, and and he's ready to throw down with anybody, anywhere, and can defend a takedown, and, you know, compete well against a high-level grappler that is Calvin Gastelum, so, um, it was a, it was a, a, a unanimous decision for Gastelum, which I could see being the right call, it was an absolute war, though, no one's stock goes down in this fight, not a single fucking person, um, so, yeah, good on them. Fight of the night. Well-deserved. Calvin back in the win column. It's just, you know, that, that middleweight um, division is just so, mm, lack of a better word, crazy. Um, so, I don't know what you're going to do with Calvin next. But Chris Curtis, big things, I think, more 
to come. Hopefully, he gets a win under his belt. And you could, even even though there's nothing riding on that fight other than pride between Calvin Gaslam and Chris Curtis, you could have them run that back and do a two as a main event on a fight night. You know, I those guys were just throwing for the fences the entire fight. And it, like I said, if that clash of heads doesn't happen, you're looking at a much different fight. You're looking at a more competitive fight. And you're looking at a better second round for Chris Curtis. Uh, kicking off the main event, uh, the main card, Rojas Jr. and Rodriguez. Um, I had a draw. <laughs> I selected a draw as a betting line, plus 5,000. You know, you put a buck on it, you're looking good. Um, and it could happen. Because I remember I was listening to Brennan Schaub on the uh, Thick Boy uh, show, and he said that if there, you know, one fight on the card could go to draw, it was this one. You got, you know... Um, Rojas, who's inexperienced and who's a really, you know, good grappler, and Rodriguez, that's, um, you know, 25, not that old, but, you know, the veteran in this circumstance. Excuse me. Um, it, it, it was one that could go, so, I, you know, I, I put money on a draw, and I also put money on Rodriguez to win, um, neither of which happened. So, <clears throat> round one, um, I haven't I haven't really watched Rojas' fights in the Dana White Contender Series. I really didn't watch it. Um, I did not watch his first fight in the UFC, but he won. Um, and, you know, this guy is going all over the place saying that he's going to compete for the belt in a year. Well, it was a fast start uh, by Rojas. Came out super quick, across the center of the octagon, and, you know, in five seconds was on Rodriguez. You know, showed off the gra- grappling. Um, he got a takedown right away, got into side control, was trying to ground, grind him out, many submission attempts, trying to do some uh, um, bulldog chokes, some under, you know, guillotine chokes, nothing really sticking. Um but he was attempting everything possible, and I really didn't, when I was watching it, and I know, look, the kid's 18, Rojas Jr.'s 18, so, I mean, he's got a fucking gas tank for days, right, he's 18, he's never, he doesn't even know the word tired, um, guy sounds so old, and because I do have 10 years on him, 11 years, goodness, oh, that made me sad, anyway, um, yeah, I'm gonna take, I need a minute after that, so, he doesn't know what it means to be tired. He's 18 years old, um, and he really kind of hasn't been challenged the entire time in the UFC, which is, you know, not his fault. Um, but, comes out super aggressive, submission attempt after submission attempt. I think he rode his back for a while towards the end of the round. And, um, you know, I didn't like what I was seeing because, like I said, I haven't seen him fight, so I really don't know... Um, too much his style, but what I was seeing was like, you you just shot your load, dude. You just blew all of your gas tank with a submission attempt after submission attempt, going for things that weren't there, holding on to holds that weren't getting you in any different position. I'm pretty sure the, um, the ref was calling for more action in some situations there, but... I just didn't like what I was seeing. I, I saw too much effort used to do nothing. Um, and Rodriguez was just sitting in there, just defending, fighting the hands, keeping him from getting where he wanted to go, showing him um, 
You know, it's not just going to be a walk in the park. You're not going to walk over me. You're not just going to throw yourself into whatever position you want and throw a triangle choke, a submission, a guillotine, a rear naked, whatever, an anaconda. You're not just going to throw it on me and I'm going to walk away. Um, another alarming thing was that Rojas didn't throw a single strike in the first round. Um, so that wasn't, you know, that wasn't good. That's that, that, that tells me you have a singular focused mind. Maybe the... Uh, bright lights of a main event big pay-per-view in miami after 20 years of no fight card maybe got to him like i said he's 18 um so moving on to the second round rodriguez took his back right away um he got up junior got up i gave that by the way i gave the first round to rojas jr um he got up pretty well he, he got up from the takedown that rod threw on him um rod rod defended well from on top uh because Junior was trying his best to throw whatever he could. Um, Rodriguez got him in a body triangle, basically kept him there for the entire fight, and just damaged his body. Punched his face, damaged his body, punched his face, damaged his body, just back and forth, back and forth. And you could just see on Rojas's face the exhaustion of carrying a guy on his back, having a body lock, a triangle lock, tight, cinched around you like a seatbelt, and a guy holding you in one position, just pounding away at your ribs, pounding away at your liver, pounding away at your face, just constantly battering you back and forth with strikes. Um, you know, it wasn't a pretty sight. It was it was tough. Um, and I believe Rojas's family is his corner. I think his brother and his dad. Um, the kid couldn't do anything. The kid couldn't get offense off. It didn't even look like he knew what he was doing. In the end. And, 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 hey, I'm saying this as a pure spectator. I've watched a few UFC fights. I'm not saying I could do any better. Rodriguez would probably make me die in the first round just from exhaustion. But, or Rojas, sorry. But, it just didn't look like a kid, it didn't look like he was ready for that stage of pressure being put on him by Rodriguez. Um, so they, they separate, they go back to the corner. Rojas Jr. is getting, you know, advice from his corner, from his dad, and he's doing the sign of the cross multiple times, just looking to the heavens for an answer because he had none in the octagon. Um, I think he did it like 10 times. And Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier were like, yeah, well, when things are going this way, you look for anyone for help. Hmm? <coughs> it was bad. Third round, more of the same. Um, Rodriguez won the second, uh, third round was Rodriguez in just complete full control. Um, he got him again in a body lock and, and there was just no offense. Rodriguez had no offense. He was exhausted. He gassed himself out. No striking. I think he landed two significant strikes in the third round, uh, Rojas Jr. And none in the second and none in the first. Um, so it was a unanimous, unanimous decision for Rodriguez, um, I'm weird when I bet. Rodriguez was a big, was not a big underdog, but um, a big going up against an 18-year-old who's, you know, maybe not seen the grand stage like this. He was like a plus 215, so I put a buck on Rodriguez to win, and I, you know, won some money there. Again, I don't bet big. If you're looking for a, a podcast that's going to tell you about juice, you're, you, no, I don't bet big. I just bet for some fun. Uh, moving on to the second, the next fight in the main card, uh, Kevin Holland versus, uh, Santiago Ponsonibio crushed that pronunciation. Tic-tac-toe, um, 
till the third. It was tic-tac-toe the entire time. Just like, you get one, I get one. Leg kicks, punches, feeling each other out, kind of warming into the whole situation. Um, and then all hell breaks loose in the third round. Kevin with a beautiful knockout. Um, Kevin was very disciplined in his in his striking. And I don't know what's more entertaining. Kevin Holland that's disciplined or Kevin Holland that's just stupid. Because when he's focused and has a singular mindset of what he wants to do and isn't just talking to the judges, isn't talking to the refs, isn't talking to Daniel Cormier when he's in clinches against the cage, isn't telling Joaquin Butley that Buckley that he has a booger hanging from his nose and then just gives him a one-two combination straight down Main Street and knocks him out. Um, when he's laser-focused, he is something special to watch, for real. Um, so, yeah, third-round knockout from Kevin Holland. Put Ponzinibbio face-first on the floor. Never good when you go face-first, you know. You, yeah, ugh, never good. I think Kevin got one punch in on Ponzinibbio before the uh, ref stepped in. But Kevin looked good. Kevin looked good. Brendan Shamsen, Ponzinibbio, has his hands full with Kevin Holland, and he really did. Kevin looked disciplined, he looked strong, he looked sharp, he looked in shape. Um, Not too much jeering, not a lot of distraction. He got right to business, settled in, figured it out, analyzed everything Ponsonibio was giving him. Third round unleashed, knocked him out. Textbook. Um, I didn't bet on that one, I don't think. I don't like betting against Kevin Holland, even though he's the favorite. And I don't like betting for him either, because I don't, you know... And, and I don't know why people are like, ooh, Kevin Holland needed that win. He fought, he fought Hamza Chimaev on short notice. What do you expect? That wasn't going to go well for anybody. So, um, moving on to Rob Font versus Giannis. Um, I mean, first round, uh, Rob Font is, has been in it for a minute. Um, with his legendary fight with Chito Vera getting absolutely pieced up, but... Rob Font's been in it for a minute. I don't know enough of Rob Font's work to tell you um, that he's great. I know he's very good. Um, I know to trust him as a betting favorite, you know. Um, but Rob Font was getting jabbed a lot. His defense was not stopping the jab coming in from Giannis. Really had an opening for that the entire time. I did not like what I was seeing in the first round up until... Um, so Font uh, took him in the first round with an uppercut, tagged him once, and with a clean uh, right hook. So, I mean, he just, he, he weakened him with, a, with an uppercut, and then just a right hook from hell. It was literally, it looked just like Overeem and Francis Ngannou. When Francis Ngannou hit Overeem with that shovel hook from hell and sent his soul out of his body. It looked very similar to that. It came up. But oh, but from the side, it was unreal and just knocked Giannis out flat. Um, big win for Rob Font. He really needed that. He gets one more win. He's in serious contention for you know a, a championship run. Even in his um, the, the lengthiness of his career, he he's he's right there. Um, it was a tough it was a tough task for Giannis. Um, 
But yeah, Rob Font just looks so good. And the problem with Rob Font, he's been in so many wars and he's been in so many battles that he, he bleeds. He's like Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz, you punch him a few times and his face starts bleeding, just the scar tissue. So he got peppered a little bit, starts bleeding. You'd think, oh my gosh, Rob's going to go out again here. But no, he settled into the first and, uh, like I said, just weakened him with an uppercut. And then just once he was tagged, just clean shovel hook, upper uppercut, right hook. I don't even know what to, what to call it. It was insane, though. It's a great knockout. Um, co-main event, Burns versus Jorge Masvidal. Gilbert Dorino Burns. Um, first round, first off, the Jorge Masvidal walked in first. Leading up to this fight, Jorge said that if, if he loses to Gilbert Burns, he's probably done. If he beats Gilbert Burns, then he's back on a, on a, on a path and a trajectory to fight for the title, um, which, ah, man, the storyline of him fighting Leon Edwards, you get that bitch, you get that thing in Liverpool, or you get that in London, you sell out the O2, you got the story of the legendary three-piece in a soda where Masvidal hit, punched Leon Edwards in the backstage after his fight with Darren Till, where, where Masvidal stole the show, Stole the show. It's supposed to be a homecoming for Darren Till. Masvidal steals the show. Knocks Darren Till out. Is backstage getting interviewed by Megan O'Leary. Shout out Megan O'Leary. Um, getting interviewed and Leon starts talking some ish. And Jorge's like, say it to my face. What'd you say? What'd you say? Hands behind his back. We all know the scene. Pop, 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 pop. Nails him. Uh, what a story to have Leon be the defending champion of the welterweight division. Jorge Masvidal comes back after some really tough losses. I mean, I wrote down Jorge's losses. Since winning the uh, baddest motherfucker belt against Nate Diaz. Since winning it, okay? Google it. When that was. Okay? Jorge Masvidal has lost to Colby Co- uh, Kamara Usman twice. Colby Covington Burns, well now Burns, but he's on a four, he's on a three fight losing streak up until this night. He wins this, If let's just say hypothetically, he wins this one against Burns. You go to London, you fight Leon Edwards for the title, because, well shit, you could have him fight Leon Edwards, even if Leon Edwards lost to Colby Covington, which is the fight that's going to happen next. You still have him fight. It's still a great story. You still do numbies, okay? You'd still do numbers. Uh, you put Patty Pimblin on that card. Tom Aspinall's healthy again. You put Tom on that card. Meatball Molly can open the card. Holy shit, we're going to Sizzler. That'd be a great card, but all that's for nothing because Jorge did what Jorge did. Um, first round, both looked uh, very careful. Um, they looked careful. George was getting some good low kicks. Um, I liked what I was seeing that he was, he, he just, he, he had good moments, but Burns was answering with rights the entire time. Um, Burns also got a late takedown in the, in the final seconds of the round, which I would say sealed the deal for that round for Burns. Um, Burns was getting through with the right hand, um, Burns had a, a takedown again in that round. Stunned George a couple times with the right. Put him on his butt at the end of the rounds and had two takedowns by the end of that round. So that one was steadily Burns. Um, 
third round, George looked tired, um, both trading rights. Burns had a takedown and elbow from Burns, um, and I had Burns winning by decision. He just looked so much cleaner. He looked he looked fresher, um, and I really didn't see how, you know, as the fight progressed, I did not see how Jorge was going to be able to do anything to get through Burns' defense. He looked fresh. Uh, he, he was keeping a good distance. He was shooting well. Jorge's got good takedown defense, but he was picking his shots pretty well, and he wasn't chasing or holding on to anything that wasn't needed, you know? Um, I mean, he's a fucking world three times over Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion, Burns, so he's not going to waste time on something that's not there. Um... So, you know, since um, Jorge's a big name, of course, and, and, he, and he was hinting at retiring if he had lost, so Joe Rogan wanted to interview him, Jorge grabs the mic, uh, points to Donald Trump and goes, we have one of the best presidents of the, United, of the United States of America in the building tonight. I love that man. God bless that man. And let's get that piece of shit motherfucker out of office. And then he proceeded to lead the arena in a chant of let's go, Brandon. It was probably one of the best moments in television history. Um, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. Um, and, and look here on the spirit podcast, um, I, I was vocal, and I believe on the last episode that we did, I'm not a fan of Jorge Masvidal. I was, and then I be, uh, uh, stopped being one because of the sucker punch incident with Colby Covington. And while I completely disavow that, um, because you had uh, 25 minutes, I believe, to do whatever you wanted to Colby Covington in a steel cage um, and get paid for it, and you did nothing, and Colby Covington won, and you still talked ish, and then you saw him at a club in Miami, and then you sucker punched him and ran away. Um, completely disavow that. I don't like it. I hate that. It's not good for the sport. You know, we're trying to not make ourselves look like thugs out there. Um, well, all that is true. It was a very touching moment. Um, it, it got my heartstrings when uh, Jorge laid him down, well, threw one into the crowd, which, geez, that thing is going to be worth the money, um, but laid him down, and then his kids came in the octagon, and he apologized to them. Oof. I mean, here's a guy who had nothing when he started fighting, fought in street beefs on backyard brawls with Kimbo Slice in the, you know, backyards of Miami, came up in Strike Force, came up through Bellator, made it to the big show, and... You know, went on an insane run and has the fastest knockout in history of the UFC at five seconds against Ben Astrin. R.I.P. Um, and has built a name and a brand for himself. He's in, he's has his own boxing promotion, which was paying out million-dollar contracts um, on its last card, which was a very good card. He's got his own Moscow Um And uh, you could just tell how much the fight game meant to him. You know, for him to say sorry to his children and to say sorry to his fans after a career of winning and a career of building himself. Um, I don't know, it was hard. It was, it was, it was, um, it was beautiful. It was nice. Um, and I will miss him in the division. I will miss him in the UFC. I, I can't wait to continue to watch his boxing promotion. It was a very good card, like I said, the one they had a week ago. Um, but yeah, so, you know, a legend retired, and, uh, he'll be missed, um, 
So on to the main event. The main event. Israel Asanya versus Pajedo. Um Izzy had good body kicks. He was doing really well with getting it through the guard. Um, it was very interesting watching Izzy come out first, by the way. Very interesting. Um, haven't seen that in a very long time. He had good body kicks and had good calf kicks. Uh, Toss-up. Toss-up for me watching it. Could have been Izzy. Could have been Pajeda. Pajeda had good low kicks, too. He was really picking apart at Izzy's front calf. He was really picking it apart. I think it was his left. I think it was his left calf he was picking apart. Um... Pajeda closed in to start the uh, second round, and I mean, when that guy decides to charge forward, I really there's no there's nothing more terrifying. He is so scary. He hits so freaking hard, and he, it's not like he's inaccurate. He's a professional kickboxer the world over several times. He is accurate. He knows where he's putting the punches. Um, so you know, it's a little worrisome. And that exchange, right off the gate, he came out hot. Right out of the gate, he came out hot after Izzy. Um, uh, Izzy was able to get away from it, but Pajera kept up with the leg kicks. He really was picking out Izzy's knee. Kind of had it, um, kind of had a little wobbled. Um, definitely looked like Izzy's calf was weakened. And, and this is what started the exchange in the final seconds of that second round where everything went to hell in a handbasket. So, um... Pajeda gets a low kick on Izzy's left calf. Izzy reacts to the low kick, low kick, you know, like loses balance, puts all of his weight on one foot. Pajeda comes in heavy and hot, gives him a punch to the face. Izzy rolls, gives him a punch to the body. Izzy takes it, then knees him to the body. Izzy takes that one. And then Alex follows up with another left. Izzy rolls with it. And... I was just watching Luke Thomas break it down, and he did it beautifully. He rolls with the left hook. Izzy sees, has his eyes locked down Main Street on Pajeda. He's not reacting to the punch, nothing. Has his eyes locked on Pajeda. Pajeda has his left hand completely down, not defending himself whatsoever. Izzy slips his left in, jabs him, knocks his head back, Throws him off center, off balance. Then Izzy comes over the top with a right, just boom. And then, because he didn't defend himself, Pajeda, Izzy comes again with a right hand. Boom. And that was the seal. That was the seal of the deal uh, shot. I even think Izzy may have slipped another punch in with the left as he went down and then finished him off with a hammer fist. And what a fucking knockout. I wrote down in big bold letters, he got the boogeyman. He got his boogeyman. 0-3. Oh Izzy's 0-3 against him. And to have that happen to you, the guy chase you to the UFC. The UFC fast-track him like he's in a Disneyland and he bought the pass. They just fast-track him to the head of the line, have him fight Sean Strickland once, and then give him Izzy. They give him Izzy New York, New York, baby. Madison Square Garden, MSG, the Mecca. They put him on the main card fighting Izzy for the belt. He TKO's Izzy. TKO's Izzy. Takes him down, takes the belt. And, and the rest is history. And, I mean, for Izzy to come back... Go to Miami right away. It was like six months. And take his belt back is insane. 
And to do it emphatically, to do it with a knockout in the second round, to work him and make him open up, to make him fire away, unload all that power and all that juice, get off balance. Because Izzy saw it, and his coach even talked about it, when he starts to tee off in that mid to close range where he's the most dangerous. Obviously, Pajeda, he's most dangerous, but he's also the most vulnerable. He's leaving himself wide open. He's not defending himself. He hasn't. He, he doesn't put his hands back up quick enough because he's just he's used to just starching dudes when they get that close. Um, and for Izzy to play that dangerous game and to fucking fire and connect when and then, oh, the pettiness of all pettiness. He he first off shoots three arrows into Pajeda, which he didn't even think of, but it symbolizes the three losses he has against Pajeda. But to do that, then to find Pajeda's son, and as Chael Sonnen calls it, hand the son a receipt. Because when Izzy got knocked out by Pajeda in kickboxing all those years ago, Pajeda's son was in the ring when they were announcing the winner. And while standing right next to Adesanya, Pajeda's son fell down, mocking Izzy. Like he got knocked out and fell down right next to Izzy. Izzy found Adesanya, uh, Pajeda's son, pointed at him, and then fell down on the ground. And then did like a, one of those martial art, cool kick flipping, standing up things. And then just proceeded to celebrate in the octagon. What a moment. I'm not actually, I'm not mad at it. It was like, oh, you mocked a kid. Hey, look, the kid's going to learn one way or another. Talk shit. Talk shit, it has consequences. The consequences watching your father got knocked the fuck out uh, on the grand stage. So, you know, I'm not mad at Izzy for that. And Izzy and him are good. Like, you know, they were talking backstage. They have a very amicable, respectful relationship because they those two are the... I don't know, yin and yang of each other's career. You know, Pajeda makes a name off beating Izzy. He makes a name off beating Adesanya. He's made a, a living, an internet sensation. He, can't, he, he, he got his ticket to the big dance in the UFC because he beat Izzy. Because, and, and, and on the flip side, on the, on the other side of the coin, Izzy has run through his division twice over. He has beaten them twice over. You know, and the UFC needed a challenge for Adesanya. So they find, they go get Pajeda. Pajeda's doing MMA now. They find Pajeda. They take Pajeda. They bring Pajeda in the UFC. They fast track him. They bought him to Disneyland Fast Pass. Bring him to the front of the line. He wins. He takes the belt six months later. The champion returns and takes back the belt. What a beautiful story. It's fucking nuts. It's like it's like you're already starting to see the fruits of the labor of the WWE UFC deal with Endeavor, man. Just the story that is. The story that is. So it was a great card top to bottom. I fucking love it. Um I uh I, those are the types of cards that you remember for a while. And that you know, we'll win um I I honestly you know Maybe uh, fight of the year, 
Um, but we'll do a quick breakdown of just the main card for um, next week's. Jeez, they they didn't break this down at all. Next week's Clay Guida fights next this weekend. Jeez. Shout out, he's a uh, Illinois boy. Uh, I got Pedro Nunez versus Chris Gutierrez. I have uh, Azmat Merkov, Merkanov, can't say it, but I have him. I have Edson Barbosa versus Billy Quarantillo. Um, I have Ian Chipolita, no idea how to say his name, over Tanner uh, Bozer. I have Ian. Uh, he's a guy I think that paints his face like the Hulk. It's a great time. And then uh, I have Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway because I like a dog. But Max Holloway is a fucking chi. So good luck with that. But Arnold Allen, hopefully, you know, make him work for it a little bit. Um, But yeah, uh, thank you all for listening. And we're going to do this every once in a while, you know? Because like I said, when, when I talk about MMA, Hoff just kind of like snoozes and then wants me to listen about, you know, Mr. Olympia or fucking the Arnold Classic and no one knows anything about that. Um, but we do our best to um, appease him because if we don't, he starts biting his palm and crying in a corner. So we have to work with him. But uh, since I'm in charge of the show and I produce everything and put everything up on the internet, I get to do what I want. I'm making my own show within the show. So, you know, if you like it, um, let us know. Send us a DM. Um, give us some hot takes and your MMA opinions. Um, we really appreciate it. We love the interaction with you guys. We see every comment. We see everything. You know, we're small. We're stupid little two-bit hosts, so we will respond to you. Um, but, yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace out.